I used to play Civilization. Is it the same same vibe? It might be. I think Civ might be like turn based, which I never got into turn based games. Um, Age of Empires is uh, more. I don't know what the opposite of turn based is, but it, it, you just keep going at it. Um, but I, I just recently discovered that there's a whole like um, resurgence. <clears throat> Of popular, so it came out in 1999. And I used to play it as a kid. I don't know for how long, but it 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 left a mark on me. And I just found out that you know there's a whole resurgence movement because um, Microsoft had remastered or not even remastered. It's like more than remastered. Not only did they update the assets to make it 4K, but they wrote some new code. Like they wrote some new campaigns. They added new features to to a code base written in 1999, which is just insane to me. Um, so they released that in 2019, the, the definitive edition age of empires two, And it's like got a whole, you know, streamers on Twitch are having like 1.5 K viewers. That's a lot, you know, that's like, I don't know, rocket league levels. Um, YouTube, YouTube channels have like 500 K subscribers just dedicated to age of empires two. So that was, um, <clears throat> really cool to see, um, because I've been I've been suffering from this issue where I can't get into video games anymore, and I, I don't know if it's me or if it's the video games. Is it me getting older that I can't relive that sort of childhood? Um, I don't know that childhood uh, feeling of staying up playing video games that you can never recreate as an adult. Uh, is it the games or is it me? And so I was like, all right, let's try Age of Empires two. There's something in me that doesn't want to go back to old games because it's like, eh, it's like playing Pac-Man again. Like, how good is it going to be? But I went back to Age of Empires two, and I was immediately drawn in. I was like, this, this is really good. Like, okay, this maybe it is today's games that aren't um, the same because there's a simplicity of older games. I think that today's games really, I don't know if it's the revenue model that uh, forces certain games to be more than they should be but with age of empires it's kind of like exactly what it should be so i've, I've been losing a lot of hours playing that um so it, i I've, uh, I've i've regained hope that maybe maybe there's sort of that childhood spark of video games to be found how many game. how many hours have you lost to <laughs> age i mean of I, empires? right now i i'm i'm sort of um <clears throat> so there's always there's always the feeling that you get when you're playing it and you're like, all right, I'm not doing too bad. Um, and then you go on Twitch and you find, and you see how they're playing. And before I saw it, this guy's name is Hera, H-E-R-A. And before I clicked on any of his videos, I'm like, okay, well, how much better than normal could he be? It's just, you just click around and, oh yeah, uh, this guy's like, like just like a machine gun clicking on a mouse like you don't even see what he's doing it, it's not human it's it's he's a bot like in the good sense of uh um I, there's an there's a word there's a counter on the bottom left that says apm i don't know what that means but i'm, I'm thinking it's actions per minute and it's 400 like he averages 400 clicks and actions and cues and um so at that point, I, I was faced with the decision of, do I continue playing Age of Empires knowing that I'll never be this good? Or, which, you know, begs a philosophical question that I struggle with sometimes, which is, <clears throat> does the fact that someone else does it a thousand times better than you, um, 
defeat any purpose of you doing it. And sometimes I, I do get a little defeated. Um, like I'm learning piano. I've been trying to learn piano for the last couple of years on and off. And initially you're very discouraged when you see how pros play and how good they are and what they can read sheet music and they can just play it that fast. Like that'll take me 10 years, best case scenario. Um, so in a sense, it, it, there's a defeating sort of outlook on that. On the other hand, I think it's it's fair to say that what makes things fun is that do it better than you did it yesterday. I mean, for me, as long as I play piano today, a little tiny fraction of a bit better than I did yesterday, that's the fun in things. It doesn't matter how well other people are playing. So that's a, it's a good thing to apply actually to, I don't know, business endeavors. I, I imagine there's always going to be someone, the Hera of... Uh, of SaaS, of, of SaaS companies. Well, that fits, I think, quite nicely into what we're going to talk about today. Um, so, hey, welcome to the Standard Notes podcast. Standard Notes is the end-to-end encrypted note-taking app that keeps all of your stuff safe. My name's Adam, he's Mo. In every episode, we go behind the scenes to chat about Standard Notes. Mo is potentially one of the most productive people I know, I think. And not only is he one of the most productive people I know, but he's also built his own productivity app. Productivity is what this episode is about. Um, Do do video games get in the way of your productivity, Mo? No, I get in the way of my productivity. (laughs) Video games are... Yeah, they haven't captured me or ensnared me since I was a teenager. Yeah, I mean, productivity is, is um, it's tough when you are a, what do you want to call it, a founder or a, the the lead of a product. For a company like ours, I, I wear many hats and it's, um, yeah, it's really tough because for me, my I love, love coding. And if I could, I would just do that nonstop. There's nothing that hits like coding as an adult. You know, I guess that's the adult crack is, uh, for me, it's coding because it's so instantly gratifying. You just, you type something for an hour or so and it comes to life. You see that it works, you ship it, customers love it. it it's, it's so good that I don't like doing anything else. <clears throat> and that's a, a big problem because... A company like ours needs focus on a lot of other things and um, things like marketing, um, things like well, bookkeeping, accounting, um, finance, business. These are things that I didn't pay much attention to because they're always a chore until just very recently. I, I mean, Kind of an aside, you'd be surprised when you're running a business how hard it is to deduce things like net profitability because you have all these accounts and things are going out and in left and right. And and I, I never learned how to use QuickBooks online. It, it, these are the tools that are supposed to tell you how you're doing um, as a business. For me, it's like, well, is a bank account balance growing at the end of every month? If it is, it's binary. It's cool. Just can go back to coding. And that's not that great of a trait to have. Um, I think you want to be um, spreading your time more wisely. So for me, productivity is is a little bit cursed because the thing that's, the thing that I'm good at is the thing I shouldn't be doing. And so, you know, if, if the fuel for a, a software company's growth was just code, then 
you know, I would, you would call me very productive or potentially very productive, but because a, a product like ours or any software product needs just so much more than just code, I don't can really consider myself productive at all. And um, really one of my biggest weaknesses is precisely that. But, you know, I think there's could be a, there's a lot to talk about in the first few years, several years of our founding, where actually it was a little bit of, of just code. Well, marketing too, but marketing is, is of course, a very broad term. Yeah, I, I'd say it's, it's a complex issue. Um, I definitely not as productive as, as I, as I, I don't know, as I, I not should be, but I guess want to be. Um, yeah, we, we should talk about defining productivity a little more, I think. Yeah, so I'm kind of interested. Do you, do you, well, I suppose, A, what does productivity mean to you? So there, there's this concept of laziness that humans have, which is really interesting to me, especially when it comes to laziness in the, in the uh, non-physical world. So let's say you're an office worker or a remote knowledge worker, programmers, designers. Laziness is really confounding because it's like, okay, all I have to do is sit on a computer and just move my hands for a bit. And I can feel really good about myself at the end of the day. But a lot of times we feel this resistance to just not want to do anything. And it's like, well, why? Because it's like, I'm ready to go. I have the energy. I have the calories. I'm not stressed out. I'm not necessarily sad or depressed at the moment. Why can't I just, um, why is there this seeming evolutionary drive to be lazy, which doesn't make sense. It's like, if anything, the, the evolutionary drive should be to um, just get it at day after day, nonstop hard work, relentless hard work. And if you think about it a little more, it kind of makes sense because on, on the other side of it is energy conservation in that evolutionarily, you don't have a, a a limitless tank of fuel. You have a finite set of resources and your body works to conserve uh, those resources because they were scarce, um, ancestrally speaking, back in the days, very scarce. And so your body learned to rest and take it easy. And I think it makes a lot of sense that that's sort of where laziness comes from. It's the intelligent strategy of conserving your resources so that you don't run out and die by expending them on fruitless endeavors. And so I think if we were more robotic, we would just continue to, let's say, dig in the same place, even though we're not finding food. Um, you would just, and, and I think that's an apt metaphor because what I want for my body to do as a remote knowledge worker is I want to dig in the same place, even though there's nothing there, I want to keep digging and digging because I know that one year from now, it'll lead to something. But my my mind doesn't let me do that. It says, hey, you've been, you've been doing the same thing and it's not really resulting in anything specific. Um, I'm going to withdraw some of your, I'm going to instill some laziness in you here because um, you're you're not getting direct results from what you're doing, and you start. It's like self sabotage. You're like, "Why are you doing this to me? Just let me work. Um, I have nothing else to do. Trust me, I have nothing else to do. Let me just do my work." Um, and I'm not necessarily talking about myself here, like hundred percent. Like I, I just know there's a, a broad 
sensation of, especially um, when you're employed for other companies. I, there was a, a post I saw, um, I don't know where, but it's like the post, it was like a video. It's like, have you ever been so bored at work that you decide to just start working? And it's like, I, I can resonate with that because, you know, when I remember my employment experiences, yeah, sometimes you're just like, the last thing you want to do is work and you get so bored and it's so painful that you're like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just, let's just work. It's, it's so boring that I'm going to work. Um, but yeah, I, I think the self-sabotage makes sense a little bit because you, you have a finite set of resources. And for me, the, the, the connection here is that coding is the way that I feel productive, but my mind, that sort of conservation drive knows that coding isn't going to, the, the, the bigger picture, coding just means new features. New features, this is a well-known thing in, in software business development. New features doesn't mean new revenue, doesn't mean growth of user base. And so at this point, it's gotten to the point where I have to feel productive by other means than coding because if it were up to me, I would code. But I know something deep within me knows the, the those millions of years of evolution knows that coding isn't going to, to accomplish the goals that I have for myself. And so the brain sends a signal to me in the form of laziness, reluctance to work um, on the things that I want to work on and, and says to me, that's not it, chief. Like that's, that's not the thing that's going to help you. And so I, I think the lack of productivity is always a lack of clarity on what you should be doing. And if you if you are feeling that resistance to 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 not wanting to do something that's very straightforward, that's very simple, it's likely because something within you knows better than you about the fact that the thing that you're trying to do will have no meaning, will have no impact on your goals, will not lead to anything. And you know, usually that's what employment is for a lot of people. It's like whether or not they do the work has no bearing on their salary, their growth prospects. I mean, there's nothing that kills your productivity at work than, for example, being passed up for a promotion or realizing you're not going to you know, get the, the raise that you were promised. Um, at, at that point, something just instantly clicks in your mind that says, then why? Then why should I, why should I bother? Um, and so... I feel like as long as you have your brain knows how it can how doing A is going to lead to B, it'll let you do the work. But if there's no bridge between those two points, or if there is no two points, if all you have is point A and you don't know what point B is going to be, the brain will not let you pass. And you need to figure that out. You need to either figure out what point B is. And if you know what point B is, but there's no meaningful connection between point A and point B is your your brain won't let you be productive, even though it's so trivial for you to just sit on sit on a desk all day and just type on a keyboard, it won't let you. Um, so I, th I think that's what productivity is to me, is it's beyond just putting the hours in. It's knowing why you're putting the hours in, knowing where it's going to lead. And if you have that, productivity for me has always been automatic. It's always been very automatic if I know exactly what where I need to go, not what I need to do, um, but where I'm trying to go, then the brain is very good at filling in the gaps and, and letting you and, and, and releasing you from its shackles of, of energy uh, conservation. 
Um, so I think that's what productivity is. It's it's knowing, having a plan, having a goal, and and knowing how the things you're doing today will lead to that goal. And if I think it's a useful signal that the brain sends you that if you're not being productive or if you feel this reluctance to be productive, if you feel lazy, uh, unreasonably lazy, I think that's the brain's way of telling you, you need to figure, you need to solve not your laziness, uh, because again, that's automatic. You need to figure out your goals and you need to figure out how to connect where you are today to how you'll get there. And then the brain just says, okay, I'm going to let you go at it. Like use all the resources. It's so interesting, isn't it? I guess these are sort of evolutionary problems that we're kind of applying to a a society that our brains sort of aren't built for. Um, Somebody, I think once upon a time said that your brain is like a, a, 2000 year old computer more than 2000 years 2000 year old computer that is trying to run you know programs that are kind of brand new uh and i think what's also interesting is the language that has evolved sort of around all of it you know burnout the idea of quiet quitting at work or i think in china they call it the laying down movement it's this idea that you'll stay in sort of your position as opposed to climbing up the ranks um a phrase that i've heard a lot recently is monk mode uh the idea that to get anything done you've got to turn everything off i'm not really sure who it kind of who it's going to work for you and i both work on on computers uh but the idea that you know you you have to shut everything off and kind of squirrel yourself away in a cabin somewhere to get anything done does that resonate with you at all no that's just nonsense like again it's it's never the i mean sometimes it's the external environment like if it's really noisy and you just can't focus but th- that's really only if your focus is being interrupted while you're trying to be productive but yeah there are just these days when you wake up and you just don't want to you just don't want to and i and it, it wasn't it's not a, it's not always a common uh, occurrence um, but I, I do notice a pattern of when it emerges. And in those days, I'm like, come on, like, why, why? Like, let me just work. Like, it's, it's um, again, there's nothing wrong. I'm feeling healthy today. Let me just get to work. Um, at that point, if your brain still says no, if it doesn't give you the permission, um, if it doesn't release those, res- those mental resources, then going to a cabin um, might work for like an hour because the novelty effect, like it's uh, you get a little high off that, but it, it, it's not a sustainable solution. And I don't even know if it really kickstarts anything because again, as if you still don't know where you're trying to go, if you still don't know how this task connects you to the overall bigger picture, you'll not complete the task. And so in my opinion, if you're feeling unproductive, you don't need new systems. You don't need new solutions. You don't need a new method of note-taking. You need to figure out what your goals are. Because I, I truly think, I, I mean, if you know, if you have a goal, there's nothing more powerful, more globally destructive, more nuclear in force than a human with a goal. Like, that's it. 
that the rest is is done. Like you have a goal, that's the solution. Most of us just don't have a goal in in, in any particular sense, in any finite sense. It's always like, what do you mean I don't have goals? I want to be better. I want to do this. I want to do that. It's not specific enough. And you'll find that actually a lot of like self help self help books, the, their advice is inevitably always write it down on a big poster, write down your goal, put it where you wake up, repeat it when you wake up, repeat it 10, 20 times. It's like these, and some books will even say like, say this 20 times when you wake up, like just this positive affirmation. All these things are the same thing. Have goals, be specific in your intention, be very specific in your intention, know where you're trying to go. Um, The rest is automatic, we're killer machines. Uh, when it comes to executing, we just have to know what we need to do. The The software within us needs to have a directive. And without that, no, there's nothing that will work. There's no cabin. Um, and in fact, you find that when you have a goal, it doesn't even matter anymore where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in the noisiest environment. It it just blocks everything out. Like you're in the zone. Um, and so... Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. It's not to say that these kind of techniques don't sometimes work. Um, but in the long run, you'll always fall back to the standard of if you don't know where you're trying to go, you'll never get there. Um, obviously, like just logically, it's like, how will you get there if you don't know where you're trying to go But by, by chance? Um, so yeah, if it is by chance, then yeah, your brain just won't give you resources, mental resources, uh, which seem to be like... There's this idea, like you said, that our brains are prehistoric and ancient and they're running this old software that isn't compatible with today's life. And it kind of sounds attractive to think like that. And I've thought like that for some period of time. There's a tendency of science to want to discredit like the human at all and just say it's some lucky accident. And and not that I I don't necessarily um, believe that I do believe the magical effects of the compounding of time, which is how magical things happen, like um, over millions of years. Yeah, it's hard to imagine how it might happen one year at a time, but if you compound millions and billions of years and crazy things happen, yes, very true. But I don't necessarily believe in the full chance. Uh, the ran- I, I talk a lot about this on my blog. I, I hate the word random, um, especially as applied to science what is random? I, I mean, I, my, I go crazy thinking about that. But with regards to human evolution, um, I, I, I'm not saying it's not random, but I also won't commit to saying it's random. It's just something. There's something. I don't know what it is, I, but there's something interesting there. But to say that the the process that created us, that we've become smarter than it, to call our our own selves prehistoric relative to our standards, there's something ridiculous about that. So all that to say is that I I think that we tend to discredit ourselves as human beings, as being, uh, it's like, why do males have nipples? It's like, because evolution's dumb. It's like, that's kind of the thing. It's like, and it kind of makes sense. It's like, yeah, okay. It's just figuring things out and not everything has to make sense. And, And maybe you say, Okay, well, if males have nipples and they're completely useless, then maybe there's some parts of the brain that are 
prehistoric and, and don't have any meaningful context in today's environment. That's a very compelling argument. And I, I really can't argue with that. But I will say that today's world isn't it goes back to our our talk of what a society is. A society is just an engineering is an engineered concept. It's, it's a manufactured artificial conception that we devised to facilitate uh, collaboration, coordination, growth, and it's just a protocol. Um, society is a protocol for how humans collaborate with one another. And yeah, it's no surprise if the human brain, which is a generic problem-solving machine isn't like perfectly tuned to solving this one construct that we've created. That's fair. Like, why why would it be? On the other hand, it's very impressive that it has adapted this specifically to our to our norms. And so I think while the construct of a human sitting on a desk eight hours a day typing on a keyboard is theoretically very foreign to the mind, the mind is, is, isn't is anything specific. Um, the mind has no expectations of what reality should be. In fact, it adapts to whatever reality and environment it's in. I mean, that's its whole function. And so that, well, you could say that humans have had far more history of not doing office work than doing office work. So they're definitely more adapted to the foraging lifestyle. True, perhaps. Um, but I, I think there's this general adaptiveness of the brain to solve the problem at hand. And all that to say, I, I've gone on quite a tangent as usual, but all that to say, I, I don't underestimate, uh, I, I would not underestimate the mind. I would not, do not insult it and say that it is some prehistoric relic that is not capable of having the conversation we're having right now of analyzing them. Come on. Like that's, it's crazy to say that the, the, the thing that created us, first of all, the, 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 the process that's created us, the, the, I mean, this conversation that we're having, the stream of consciousness that we're, that is conversation is, is what, well, I don't know. It's not our full mind. It's like, what, I'm just going to make up a number 10% of, of our mind's capabilities just being manifested into the physical emanation of sound waves. I mean, this conversation is very meta, and yet our brain still allows us to have it. It's our brain that's allowing us to have it. And yet we say our brain is stupid. Um, it doesn't let me make spreadsheets, even though it'll get me paid next Friday. It's like, yeah, it probably knows that making spreadsheets for the rest of your life will just lead to absolutely nothing but like complacency and, and um, emotional misery um, of... Uh, the brain wants something better for you, I guess. It's very ambitious. I mean, we know that. We know that uh, humans have this uh, this drive to be ambitious. And so, yeah, it doesn't let you do make spreadsheets for eight hours a day if it thinks that it's not going to lead to something bigger or grander. Um, I don't think that's a, uh, a fault in the brain. Um, in fact, maybe it, it's better for the capitalists, which I'm not anti-capitalist, but if you want to think like that, maybe it's better for the capitalists to have you think that the brain is dumb because it doesn't want you to do spreadsheets for eight hours a day so that you feel that maybe I should, maybe I got, it's me, maybe I got to work on myself to commit to being a better laborer. Um, it, it's, it would seem to be more in their favor, in the capitalist's favor to have you believe that human, the human mind is, um, is somewhat dumb and that you need to improve it by being a better laborer. 
when in fact, again, I think the human mind is the most interesting and, and wondrous thing in the, that we've ever found in the entirety of the universe. So to call it dumb and prehistoric, I think is very short-sighted. I never thought that we would talk about the pointlessness of male nipples on <laughs> on this podcast. It's it's interesting though, isn't it? I suppose it goes both ways. This idea that you couldn't take a, a modern person and kind of chuck them in the wilderness. Uh, you know, that that prehistoric brain, to, to use that term, isn't going to reactivate itself uh, to... You know, we, we've kind of lost the ability to forage, or I certainly have, to forage and hunt and survive basically anywhere outside of these uh, these very nice walls. Um, do you think that there is a, a flip side to this, though? Do you think that it is possible to get so goal-focused, so reward-focused, so productivity-focused, I think of the term toxic productivity, that it it becomes just absolutely horrendous that people spend way too much time trying to optimize their their life to kind of the nth degree. Well, I mean, it just, if you're naturally spending all this time optimizing, you're not, you, I mean, that's the whole second brain argument, um, which is not my argument. Like the, the, whenever a second brain comes up in Hacker News, you, you see commenters who say, I'm burnt out from second brain. I spent months and months organizing and optimizing and and linking and all. And at the end of it, I just spent more time um, second braining than actually doing the work. So w- with regards to toxic productivity, if you want to figure out what that looks like, just try Adderall. Um, Adderall is a substance that will just override your motivational, um, the, the the checks and balances that your brain places on you. You'll be relentlessly productive for a little bit, but you'll just crash at the end because you'll find out that, um, again, there's really nothing like natural productivity. Uh, it's a thing we all want. Uh, it's very evasive. But again, not always. And um, there is no trick. There, man, there are no tricks in the book, which is, which is I, I say it like that, like disheartened, because you spend so much time in life just looking for tricks um, to beat this, to, to get to where you want to be or, or um, to accomplish your day's goals, thinking that just today's goals is enough. So we look for these tricks. It's like, well, what's the... F- optimal amount of sleep what's the opt when should i time my caffeine or protein intake workout my run my walk my podcast my daily writing my drugs my prescription drugs whatever you want to dabble with you 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 spend so much time um fiddling with these recipes and say okay what results in maximal productivity and in the end you you find that you just become distracted in chasing gains that you get from the little bursts of serotonin you get from an optimization of your routine that is really um, an illusion that you think that something has happened. You think you've gotten more productive, but really, um, yeah, you've just cleaned your office. You've just cleaned your desk. It hasn't changed anything. In the long run, knowing it's it's not really just about today's goals that um i think that short-sightedness is what prevents a lot of us from from realizing 
sort of the productivity gains that we're after is that we all we know is is today's um, to do. But again, if there's no sort of overarching picture, you just won't. You just won't. And so I, I think, and it's why I'm not so much of a productivity snob. Like the, the, by snob, I mean someone who like overly complicates their productivity routine. Um, I don't have things. I, I don't overly write things down. Um, I don't overly design my week. I don't overly design my calendar or my to dos or my notes or anything in in the hopes of getting better productivity. Because I know that at the end of the day, what I need, I'll speak for myself, I guess, is all that I need is a goal, an important goal, like a significant goal, not just like my goal is to be productive today. That's that's most people's goals. Is I just my goal is to be productive today. That doesn't work. Uh, your brain won't let you. Your goal needs to be. Well, that's for you to figure out. Um, and you know, that's a good question is what, what is a good goal? Like, would a goal be grow revenue by 10%? I don't really think that's a good goal because that's a goal you'll just falter on pretty easily because it's so vague. Um, and actually, that's something that I struggle with a little bit. Like I, I figured out at, at the very least through all these years is that a good goal beats anything else. But what is a good goal? How do you go about designing a goal? How do you go about figuring out a goal, especially if you're feeling apathetic? That's um, that's a question that I think we should bring on a guest to speak on, someone who's, who has this figured out. Um, it's a, definitely a lot easier in the beginning of any undertaking. Like w- when I first started sending notes, the goals are easy, if not automatic. It's like, you know exactly what you need to do every day. Um, but as you sort of, begin to get complacent as as averages begin to like we talked about in a previous episode as the numbers begin to form patterns and and daily averages and consistency um uh, it starts to get a little tricky defining what to do next uh, and for me it's always been okay well more features more uh, a nicer homepage um which a nicer homepage is a is a is endemic amongst um, product founders think, who are struggling to see growth, um, they always go to their homepage. And luckily I learned that very early on, do not redesign your homepage. It's not gonna make a world of difference. Um, and um, it, yeah, it just becomes very hard to figure out what the next step should be. And um, it's very easy early on, which is a great advantage to have as, a, as someone building a new product, which is why it's a lot easier, I think, amongst many other reasons, it's, it's far easier for newcomers to sort of disrupt rather than incumbents who start to sort of get lost in all the existing infrastructure and routine and um, and a fear of disrupting those averages that you've worked so hard to build. Um, yeah, it gets really, really hard. And I would want to talk to someone who's run a bigger company than me, um, hear how they sort of how do they how do they set goals? And you know, I, I've worked at larger companies in the past, and I think goal setting is, is generally a problem um, that's difficult, no matter what size of organization you're at. Um, but I, I definitely think overall productivity is defined by the art of goal setting. I'll send out some emails. We'll get some. <laughs> we'll get some. We'll get some big wigs on. I'll call them yeah. big wigs. 
Um, for now, though, that's all we've got time for. Uh, Standard Notes is the end-to-end encrypted note-taking app that keeps all of your stuff safe. Try it for free at standardnotes.com and upgrade to unlock tons of powerful extra features too. I've been Adam, he's been Mo, and until next time, think fearlessly. Thank you.